God has something to say to you each day and cracking open the Bible daily allows you not to miss out on that from him. Satan really likes dusty Bibles. He knows that a Christian who reads their Bible regularly they're going to know who they are in Christ. When we read the Bible, it teaches us how to think about ourselves correctly. Here, we talk about intuitive eating and Jesus. Hi, I'm Nyla, and welcome to the Intuitive Eating with Jesus podcast. I'm a certified health and life coach specializing in intuitive eating and body image improvement from a Christian perspective. I pray this podcast allows you to learn the skill of intuitive eating and tap into the awesome body wisdom God intentionally designed into you for food choices and exercise choices. This podcast will teach you how to have a peaceful and joyful relationship with food and fitness, the kind that God desires all his children to experience. I'll also teach you how to view your body as God sees it. I believe Adam and Eve were intuitive eaters in the Garden of Eden, and I'm on a mission to help as many Christian women as I can eat with ease and calm as those two did all those years ago in that famous garden. Today, I'm going to share approaches to getting calm when you're feeling anything but calm. One approach I'm going to share today is backed in science, though it agrees with principles in the Bible, and the other is full of spirituality. So let's start with the scientific approach to getting calm around food or a big to-do list or whatever is making you feel the opposite of calm. I went to school to become a certified health and life coach back in early 2020. I later specialized in coaching other Christians around the topics of intuitive eating and body image improvement from a faith-based perspective. In my schooling, they taught us about something called emotional brain training, or EBT for short. Emotional brain training, or EBT, is a technique useful for fearful or anxious situations, whether it be fear of eating carbs or desserts like some of my intuitive eating clients come to me with, or the fear of the unknowns of your future, or the anxiousness that can set in when you are staring at an overwhelming size to-do list. EBT is something that can help find relief in all those areas and more. When I was praying about what direction to go with this episode, the Lord placed EBT on my mind, and I hadn't thought about it for a while. So that's why I'm teaching on it today. Someone will experience great help and freedom from hearing about this concept. So EBT is a science-based program that was developed over the last 30 years by Dr. Laurel Mellon. It was created by studying neuroscience and stress physiology to learn how to rewire patterns of anxiety, depression, stress, binge eating, overeating, and other unhealthy habits, all by using practical and simple tools. Typically, during EBT, you ask yourself, what emotion am I feeling right now? Then you ask, how much of that emotion am I feeling right now? None, a little, lots. I suggest even using a scale of 1 to 10 to rate how much of that emotion you are feeling right now. 1 being not very much and then 10 being so much. So basically, during an EBT, you move through the negative emotions you are taking time to identify, you acknowledge them, and then slowly you're bringing in more positive ones to disrupt the negative thought patterns you're experiencing. When I work with clients using EBT, I do a little more simplified approach, but it's still loosely based on the traditional EBT. 
You're transitioning out of a negative, stressful emotion and into more positive, relaxed emotions, readying the body to eat your fear foods, enter an intimidating social situation, or to do whatever activity you need to do, like tackle a big to-do list for your business or for your family. So how do you do it, EBT? It's easy peasy. It's like ABC. EBT is as easy as ABC, though that was not as easy to say as I thought it would be. (laughs) So in my health and life coaching school, they gave us a long and complicated worksheet to use with clients, but I want myself and you to be able to do it easy on your own, wherever you are, when you sit down to eat and you notice you're feeling a stressful emotion of some kind, or when you are looking at your to-do list and you start to feel panicked, I want you to be able to do an EBT by memory with no worksheet in front of you or with complicated instructions. So my version of a simplified EBT is the following. So take time to pause when you notice you're experiencing some big emotions during your day. Yes, it can be annoying to stop work, but trust me, taking some time to calm yourself down will actually make you more productive after, since a calm person is going to make less mistakes than a rushing person. I know that's true for me. I know when I'm trying to rush, when I'm at the computer, my fingers are just hitting all the wrong keys and I'm having to backspace and that is probably the same for you too when you're rushing. So during an EBT you notice you are feeling not calm. So what exactly are you feeling? Do you need to disrupt some negative thoughts with some thankfulness so you can move on with your day with the peace and calm and joy that God desires you to approach work with? Work is a gift from him and he wants us to enjoy it and sometimes taking a calm timeout or a calming reset break or a calming recess even, can be so helpful to make our work at home or in an office more joy-filled. And so I know I'm calling the emotions like panic and anxiety and overwhelm, I'm calling those like negative emotions just because I think that's what the EBT model uses, but I'm learning that all emotions are neutral and they can be used as guideposts, really helpful signs that something's going on. So You can more so just call them if you don't want to call them negative emotions because it's not wrong to feel those things. You're not a bad person if you're feeling that way. You shouldn't feel shame for feeling that way. It's just you don't want to stay there because it's not pleasant. And so we want to transition you out of that into more pleasant emotions. But it's okay that you did experience those because obviously there's a reason that you were experiencing those. So you might just want to call them unpleasant emotions or just not enjoyable emotions hopefully that makes sense the disclaimer i'm trying to make there but once you identify what you're feeling and you've rated it on a scale of one to ten take three deep breaths to calm yourself down god has really given us such a gift with breathing we need it to live but it's also such a calming mechanism and we have it with us wherever we go it's not like oh i forgot to bring my lungs with me darn no you have them with you wherever so if you're feeling anxious in any situation maybe you're at walmart and your kids are running crazy down the cereal aisle and knocking cereal all over or maybe you have to give a presentation at work and you're just feeling really stressed just take some deep breaths even one deep breath is crazy calming that's just the way god has designed breathing to be the effect he's given breathing on the human body and even better do three deep breaths and just see how it calms your body down so after you've done that i want you to ask yourself why are you feeling that way so you've identified what you're feeling right now but now identify why what is triggering that response in you your noisy kids the lack of sleep you had this week your big to-do list your 
micromanaging boss, just kind of dig into it. What is making you feel the way you are right now? Okay, and then the next step is where we are now going to disrupt this feeling that you're feeling that you don't want to feel anymore. We're going to disrupt it with something more positive, more pleasant, which is gratefulness or thankfulness. So list three things you're grateful for if your emotions need calming down. Or you can list three things you're proud of or you're secure in or excited for. Or you can name one thing from each of those categories. So some examples of things I'm thankful for is I'm thankful that my husband can help me with computer things. Before I hopped on to record this podcast, he was helping me learn a video editing tool how to get it all up and running that I need to edit some videos for one of my virtual assistant clients. So I'm very thankful for that. Um, Something that I'm really proud of is I tried something new. This month I've tried my hand at reels. I thought I didn't want to touch them with a 10 foot pole, if that's what the saying is. And then I decided to try them and I'm proud of myself for trying something new. As an Enneagram 3, I don't always like to try new things. I like to be good at things, but I don't always like the learning part that is required to get good at something. So I tried something new and I'm proud of that. Or something I'm secure in is my worth in Christ and his love for me. I know that I don't have to earn his love. It's just there for me every day, no matter how I behave that day. He is just offering me his love freely. It's a free gift, which is so amazing. And it is something that I'm secure in or something that I'm excited for. Well, the weekend, I'm always so excited for the weekend, but um, I'm excited, I guess, right now for this podcast. I've been wanting to find some time to record this episode. I'm excited for that, and I guess I'm excited for something in the future is after this is done, I'm going to go on the deck and spend some time with my cat. It's been a really hot day today, and so I've been waiting till it cooled down so we could go spend some time on the deck because me and Quincy, my cat, we both like being on the deck so much, and you can also name things you're excited for in weeks and months and years coming up. It doesn't have to be just in the moment. So personally, I like to pick three items of Thanksgiving instead of one from each of those categories, just because it's easier to remember in the moment. Just name three thankful things instead of, what was that again? Oh yeah, something I'm proud of, something I'm secure in, but just thankfulness I find is easier to remember, but you do what works for you. And I love how this lines up with the Bible and the power of thankfulness that the Bible talks about in overcoming unwanted and unhelpful emotions. So Philippians 4, 6, it tells us not to be anxious. It invites us not to be anxious, but instead in every situation, be prayerful with petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, it's going to guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And I believe this includes guarding our minds against food lies and food guilt and work stress and work anxiety and to-do list overwhelm. I love how the Bible talked about the power of thanksgiving years before EBT was even a thing though. So a pause to be thankful can help you think clearer and make choices that make you feel the way you want to today around food or around your to-do list. So I have a challenge for you guys today. Perform an EBT on yourself when you're stressed about your mile-long to-do list for housework or your the stress that you're feeling about planning your best friend's wedding shower or baby shower or just any stress that is coming up about work you have to do by the end of the day, the end of the week, end of the month. And doing an EBT, it's actually going to turn back on your parasympathetic relaxation response 
and that's part of your central nervous system and this can actually help you when this um, relaxation response is turned on from doing deep breathing or an ebt it can actually help you properly digest your food and absorb nutrients optimally and not hold on to extra fat and it can just make you feel so much better and i think that is just so cool because that's how god has designed us to function to feel at peace and trusting him and so then it makes sense that our bodies function better when we are feeling in a peaceful state so here is a short summary of how to do an ebt so number one state what emotion you're experiencing currently and rate it on a scale of one to ten two take some deep breaths even one is going to go a long way to having a calming effect on you three state why you're feeling that way and this might take a little bit of time identifying if there was a triggering comment or something you watched on tv or just your to-do list or your kids or noise or being overstimulated just this might take a little bit of time number three so don't rush it pray about it too invite the lord in and ask him why am i feeling this way and then the next step is to name three things you are thankful for to disrupt the anxious thoughts the overwhelmed thoughts that you're feeling So now I'm going to shift into some other ways that I have found to help calm me and turn on my body's built-in relaxation response. Again, this is called the parasympathetic relaxation response state. It's part of your nervous system, your central nervous system. Here are some things that help me to sense that that part is being triggered in me. And it's a good trigger. So do something that forces my body to be still. A body stilled has a calming effect i've found so perhaps i paint my nails i have to move my hand with slow strokes to not make a mess and as i wait for them to dry i can't be a busy body or or nail polish is going to get everywhere and who wants that (laughs) or you can do certain stretches that help your body calm down and enter that relaxation state so like a wide-legged forward bend Um, That pose and yoga pose can be really helpful to helping turn on the parasympathetic relaxation response or twists. I know that in yoga, I would do some twists and I would think, I just feel something like leaving my body. Like, that's so weird. What is that? And now I realize it's the stress. I can literally feel the stress leave my body when I'm in a twisted pose in yoga. And it's because my body is then instead exchanging stress for peace and relaxation, which again is such a gift from God that he's given us things like pressure points and uh, yoga poses and things like that that we can do to just feel better in our bodies it's it's really cool i also find that when i'm starting to type really fast on a computer or texting at lightning speed on my phone i intentionally slow down when i notice i'm doing this and i force myself to do those things slower type or text slower and this has a calming effect it's helping me get used to um, a slower speed of life than i sometimes go at and it's really really good for me And I'll also go for slow walks. And as I go for a slow walk and just kind of watch my feet slowly walking, and I'm not walking crazy slow, but I'm I'm just at this like really leisure walk in the park, you know, kind of pace. And as I'm slowly walking, I just can feel like the hustle drug detoxing out of my body. And it's just so healing and restorative and relaxing to walk slow and what's a slow walk for one person might vary so find your slow another thing that i do to kind of eliminate this hurry 
uh, pace in my life, which I find creates the opposite of calm in my life when I'm hurrying, is when I get home from a walk or going to the grocery store, which is about five minutes away, I usually come into the house through our garage door. And as the door is raising, when I've pushed the button for the garage door to to go up, I actually wait most days until the door has fully raised instead of ducking inside when it's halfway up. And I'm just trying to get myself normalized to just see that it's okay and it's normal and it's familiar and it's comfortable. What is familiar becomes comfortable. So I'm trying to familiarize myself with not just doing things as quick as possible but just taking some time to be and i'll even like put my feet on the ground and say the quote be where your feet are planted and i'll just kind of like wiggle my toes and ground them into the spot where i am currently and that can be really helpful too it can be a discipline all these calming activities that i've said like sometimes i just want to run fast and just get everything done fast 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 but you will learn to really enjoy these moments of slow and you'll learn to see that slow is not a bad thing and you'll learn to value slowness. I'll even sometimes stop at a red light, even if I might have been able to make it through the yellow on time. I'm just practicing not always doing things as fast as possible. So yeah, practice getting familiar, practice getting comfortable and comfy. Same thing, I guess. One is just the shorthand, comfy, comfortable. Uh, Get comfy with slow and quote-unquote like normal paces. I really don't think Jesus was a rusher. I think he got a lot of things done, but I think he enjoyed his work. And I think he probably did things at a slow, leisure pace. In the book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, author John Mark Comer shares that he'll actually go to the longer lineup to make himself practice the spiritual discipline of stillness, or he'll force himself to drive the speed limit to detox from speed. He gave that example of making himself go the speed limit and going to the longer lineup in the grocery store on purpose. Those examples that he gave, it helped me come up with the other examples that I've been talking to you about earlier. But I would really recommend you go and read his book. It just kind of can help you to look at your own patterns differently and shift some things around like I was able to. He didn't talk about waiting till your garage door was fully up to go in, but just some of his mindsets I was able to apply to my life and slow down a bit. I really think that it can be hard to slow our minds down. Our minds are just thinking of so many different thoughts all the time, what we have to do, what we did, planning, what's for supper, oh, I have this deadline at work, and they just can go kind of crazy. But I find that when I slow my body, it has a slowing effect on my mind. So slow my body, then my mind will follow. Slow body, slow mind. And I'm not meaning like slow, like it can't think properly. I'm more so meaning like a relaxed, leisure, calm mind. Stillness is very restful. I know it can be really hard to be still, but again, it's a spiritual discipline and disciplines we don't always do when we want to. There's a Bible verse about how nobody likes discipline, but you reap a harvest of peace when you're disciplined. And I really have found that when I've prioritized stillness, it has created so much peace in my life, a still body. Sometimes I'm editing podcast episodes for clients and it will be exporting. And I'll think, okay, that I have like a minute and I'll open a new tab and I'll check my email or check Instagram or something like that. But I've tried to actually just sit there. If it's a minute or two minutes, something like that, I just think I'm just going to be here. I don't need to rush off to the next thing. I'm just going to be here in this moment as it's exporting. Of course, if it was going to take 
50 minutes or 30 minutes sometimes i'm uploading things for clients that do take like 30 minutes to an hour so i'm not sitting there watching the upload button but when it's those little like minute or two intervals i think it's really a great opportunity to practice stillness and to reap the benefit of it and every time you're practicing stillness you are getting more familiar with it and you're going to get more comfortable with it and you're going to enjoy it more and see the benefits of it So when I feel like my mind is going kind of overwhelmed in that direction, I like to coach myself on the topic of calm. I think an important thing to try and do is not to have judgment for yourself for not feeling calm all day. It's actually 100% normal to be a human with a wide range of emotions. And having big emotions is not bad. When you feel the harder emotions big, that also means you feel the more pleasant ones deeply too. So it's normal to not feel joyful and zen 100% of the time, and it's okay. I had one coach say, expect the day to be 50% hard and 50% good, and then you're not going to feel so disappointed when the day wasn't 100% perfect when you were expecting more realistic ratios. I've taken to praying a new prayer lately. Instead of praying, God, take this anxiety away, I pray, help me to work through this anxiety with the truth of your love. I'm feeling the way I am for a reason, and rather than make those unpleasant emotions just disappear, I think it's better if I work through them with the Lord so the root issue can be looked at instead of being ignored. In the very first episode of this podcast, I brought up the story of Martha worrying about so much to do in Luke. This podcast is coming full circle now because I'm bringing it up again in one of the last episodes of this podcast, and I brought it up in the very first episode, this story, and I really believe that the number one thing that I could recommend to you guys for feeling calm, even with a massive list to tackle every day, even with just so many things that can be potentially overwhelming in your life, I think there's one thing that is the best, even more important than EBT or doing those yoga twists or even practicing stillness. Yes, we need to get things done, but we don't have to start our days staring at our to-do list. We can choose to start our days staring at his words first. Sit at his feet like Mary did. That was Martha's sister. Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to his words, letting it soak over her, encourage her, influence her. But Martha, her sister, was worrying and just so distracted, Scripture says, about trying to get everything done. And she was so annoyed at her sister for not helping. But Mary was actually choosing the better thing. And Jesus said the benefit of choosing that wouldn't be taken away from her. She would have that benefit, that portion. She would get to reap it. So when we sit with Jesus first... We are able to approach our days with supernatural joy, grace, and patience. First fruits matter, and they set the tone for the day or our week. What's in our morning routine that influences our day? It's good to get in the Word at any time, and there was a season where I read it at night because that just worked for me, but I've been reading it in the morning now, and I see that it extra benefits me when I do it in the morning. So right now, I'm just getting the reps in. I'm not worrying about how much time I'm spending in the Bible in the morning. I'm just trying to get make it a habit. I'm just getting those reps in. Later, I'll try to be have a goal for I want to spend this much time in the Word. But I really would recommend time in the Word first thing, even two to five minutes. It is going to have such a calming effect on your day. 
Sometimes I don't want to read the Bible, I'll be honest. I don't want to, but I remind myself of the calming effect it's going to have on me as I approach my to-do list for my business and for the house for the rest of the day. God has something to tell me each day in the Bible, and I remind myself that, that, hey, Nyla, you're going to miss out on that. What he wants to say to you today if you skip Bible reading? And there might even be a Bible verse that I would read and feel led to share with someone, but I miss out on it, on that encouragement ammo, if I don't expose myself to the word today. And that happened twice this week. I read a Bible verse and I sent it to someone, to two different people. They said it so resonated with them. So I'm a more loving and patient wife and more spirit-led coach to my clients when I read the word. So often Bible verses I read come to mind in coaching calls and I think my time in the word is crucial for my calls to be effective as they are. When you spend time in the Bible, it's easier to hear his voice later in the day during a coaching call or when you're arguing with your spouse or when you need to give wisdom to someone. When I don't want to read the Bible first thing, I sometimes just feel like the opposite of attracted to it. It's like I'm feeling repelled from it. And that's just my flesh. My flesh just has to die off. And so I say, flesh, no, in Jesus' name, we're reading this. And that really helps, just rebuking the flesh in Jesus' name. I like to have breakfast first and then read my Bible because I can't concentrate when I'm hungry. I do read the Bible after I've had breakfast. That works for me. And a pro tip I have for you guys, read your Bible in a really pretty or a cozy environment. It makes it more easy to read when it's a really pleasant place that you want to spend more time. So sometimes for me, that's on the couch with a lamp on and a cozy blanket and my cat cuddled on my lap. Sometimes it's on the deck with all my plants and the sun. Sometimes it's at our island and I just kind of push my breakfast dishes aside and I I get out my Bible that way and I can look out the deck and see the, the pretty sunshine and hear the birds there too. Once you start reading, you'll learn something important and you're not going to regret starting. Again, God has something to say to you each day and cracking open the Bible daily allows you not to miss out on that from him. Satan really likes dusty Bibles. He knows that a Christian who reads their Bible regularly, they're going to know who they are in Christ. When we read the Bible, it teaches us how to think about ourselves correctly. It aligns our thought patterns with God's thought patterns about ourselves. It's really, really powerful and it makes us less vulnerable to to Satan's lies when we've spent time in the truth because we're going to be able to recognize lies if we've been saturating our minds regularly in the truth of God's word. It motivates me to get in the word first thing when I see it as the healthiest habit of the day, my most important meal, and I consider my future self five to ten minutes from now. How do I want her to feel? Five minutes from now, Nyla. Bible reading is so powerful. Hebrews 4.12 tells us that it's alive and it's active. It's just so powerful that even five minutes is going to drastically change how you experience your workday. Just read a chapter a day or half a chapter or meditate on one verse. It's okay to linger on a verse or a chapter. Right now, I can't really get out of 1 Peter. I've read through it and I've underlined things, but I just keep going back to it every day and kind of meditating and refreshing my mind on the parts that I underlined that really stood out to me. And that's okay. You can stay in the same book of the Bible or the same verse. That might be the Holy Spirit just saying, hey, I want you to linger here. I really want you to get this. So you don't have to just be so rigid in your Bible reading. Let the Holy Spirit even guide that and highlight what sticks out to you 
at the end of your Bible reading, I would encourage you to say, okay, what was one concept that I'm going to chew on all day? I know one person writes out a sentence when she's done her quiet time with God. She writes out one sentence to just kind of summarize what she learned or one point that really stood out to her. And then that's what she thinks about all day. And I think that's so wise. So you're not trying to remember eight different things that stood out to you. Just pick one. That's so much easier for you to chew on it all day long to meditate on it, which scripture is clear that meditation intentionally thinking about what you read has so many blessings and benefits and when i'm done a chapter i like to go review the chapter and yeah go and look and see which verses did i underline just to refresh my mind it's good to expose yourself to the bible the more times the better and yeah i would have another pro tip would be having multiple bibles around the house it makes it more convenient As humans, we're going to do what's convenient. So make it super convenient. Don't just have your Bible upstairs. If you can, have multiple ones. Have one by the couch. Have one in the kitchen, in the car, in your purse. Just try to have a few different ones, different places, so it makes it more convenient to read it. And another tip is I like to pray what I'm reading. Like sometimes I'll read something about, well, I was reading some of James today about the power of the tongue and how it actually is full of deadly poison. And I just prayed like, oh Lord, help me to use my tongue for good and not evil. So you can turn into prayers what you're reading and use it as um, just a guideline, as an influence and inspiration of what to pray too. You can pray as you read, which is cool. I like to invite the Holy Spirit in first when I'm Bible reading and I'll say, hey, just help me to feel settled. Help me to be present here and just help me to catch what you want to say to me today. Help me not to miss it. I say something along that lines each time. I eat breakfast every morning because I know that I feel and function better physically nourished for my tasks. But Bible reading is like a spiritual breakfast to help me be nourished and equipped with a peaceful mindset for my day. When I don't eat breakfast, which doesn't happen very often, I just can't think, I can't focus. And the same effects are going to happen when we don't eat our spiritual breakfast. We're going to be like spiritually hangry. We're going to notice that we don't have those nutrients in our spirit man. Sometimes I just want to dive into my to-do list. Hello, Enneagram 3 over here. But time in the Word is accomplishing something important. It's helping me hear from God. It's exposing me to the truth of God so I can recognize lies I may encounter throughout the day. And so much more. When I start reading, sometimes it's the last thing I want to do, but I keep reading. The flesh, again, just needs to be killed off. If you keep reading like I do, that feeling of wanting to stop will eventually leave because there's such a calming effect through reading the Word of God. When I read the Word of God in the morning, I'm stronger. I'm able to manage my mindset throughout the day and renounce lies about needing to hurry to be productive. On a scale of 1 to 10, Bible reading is a 25 for importance. I've noticed time in the Word first thing, it hugely impacts my mind and mood and ability to respond versus react to people and things going wrong in my day. Try reading it first thing for a few minutes. Try it for a week, just doing it first thing. And just for a few minutes, I bet after a while you'll come to crave and enjoy that morning time with God and you're going to eventually feel protective of your soul care time with the Lord, your spiritual breakfast. Sometimes I try to fit too much in the morning, breakfast, Bible reading, watching a sermon, gratitude journal, devotional, well, not a whole sermon, but like part of a sermon. And I've actually learned to prioritize just the Bible reading first. Well, I do breakfast and Bible reading. It's okay if those other things have to be moved to like an evening routine instead of doing my devotion and gratitude journal, doing that in the morning. Your AM routine should be life-giving and 
replenishing, it, it shouldn't be a mad rush to pack it all in. So some mornings I can do all those things, but sometimes a lot of the time, actually, it's breakfast and Bible that gets done. I think those are the most important things. I think a time in the word as a way to align my heart with God's heart for the day. And when I do that, I can better serve my family with patience. And there is definitely a better attitude on me when I start with him. Let his word and character influence me and in how I interact with people later on in the day. I sometimes bring my phone to the couch or deck with me when I'm Bible reading, and I've learned that, hey, it's better to leave it out of reach, actually. Matthew 5.30 says, and if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. So that's meaning that if something is causing you to either sin or to not even, it doesn't have to just be sin, but if something is causing you temptation, get rid of it. So the phone for me was causing me temptation to go to, go on Instagram first. So if I just leave it upstairs, then again, it's not convenient to go up and get it. Just like I was talking about having Bibles around the house, so it's more convenient to read them. I'm using that same mindset by making it harder to do the thing that I don't want to do. Just like with the Bibles, having them around the house, we're trying to make it easier to do the thing you do want to do. So I've just learned, going to keep my phone away while I do my Bible reading because it's just too much of a distraction. So I'm going to throw it away like that Bible verse says, which mostly just means I'm going to tuck it away, <laughs> keep it in the bedroom. God's word has such a calming effect. First Peter 5.10 says, the God of grace strengthens and settles us. And when I think of settles, I think of a mom tucking in a kid for night, just really a calming environment. So you could even say that the God of grace, he, he calms us. And I have found that to be true. So if you take one thing from this episode, from this entire podcast, I would say really prioritize time in the word, especially first thing, because it's going to have a calming effect on how you approach your to-do list, how you approach being around fear foods, how you approach just every aspect in your life. Try it out, test it, see if what I'm saying is true. Because I really am excited for you to see that it is true and it has such a supernatural calm effect on it. And I'm so excited for you to try it out. Nyla, what's a Christian life coach? Great question. Well, when a basketball player wants to improve their skills on the court, they hire a basketball coach or a personal trainer. When a child or adult desires to improve their singing voice or musical instrument skills, they hire a voice teacher or a piano or guitar teacher. Certified life coaches like me, we help people get stronger in various life areas that they feel less than confident in currently. As your Christian life coach, I can help you ditch dieting and improve body image from a biblical lens, as well as help you feel better in other areas such as relationships, boundaries, people-pleasing, self-care, comparison, perfectionism, and more. To book an inquiry call, you can go to Instagram and you can DM me at Nutrition with Nyla and say you're interested. It's for free and it's 15 minutes and you can ask me all your questions about possibly hiring me as your Christian life coach and I do it virtually over the phone so it doesn't even matter if we're not in the same country, which is so cool. Technology is such a gift from the Lord.